This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Rays Radio. And the pitch on its way. Swing, and he popped him up. Shallow right center. Kiermaier started back. Sprinting in. Dives and makes the catch. Welcome to Countdown to Opening Day. Kevin Kiermaier putting on a show here in the fifth inning. And the Blue Jays leave him loaded. Coming up, we sit down with Rays players, coaches, and front office executives to discuss the latest news in Rays baseball. Swing and a long drive way up into the air. Out of sight to right field and off the video board. What a shot for Dickerson. A three-run homer. It's 6-3 to three Rays. Now to get you ready for opening day, here are the voices of the Rays. Countdown to opening day here tonight from Tropicana Field with Dave Wills. I am Andy Freed. Neil Solon's just a little bit as well as we are counting down to opening day, March the 29th, the earliest opening day in Rays history. When we'll be right here at Tropicana Field in St. Petersburg at 4 o'clock with the Rays against the Boston Red Sox. Good evening, everyone. We're glad you're with us for another episode of Countdown to Opening Day. Dave, it's nice to be in our booth tonight as we look out and see the uh, Governor's Dinner that you'll be emceeing in just a little bit. And Good to have you, at least for part of the show. Yeah, I'm going to be here for uh, about the first half hour or so, and then uh, duty calls. is. Uh, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to it. It's the 58th uh, Governor's Dinner, and uh, all 15 teams that uh, train down here in Florida are going to be represented. And then there will be a couple of uh, special guests, Rob Manford being one of them. We'll hear from Rob, the, jo- the commissioner of baseball here, in just a little bit. We had a chance to talk to him a little bit earlier today. But uh, looking forward to it. It's uh, Again, spring has sprung. We are underway. We're day two into uh, spring training down in uh, Port Charlotte. Uh, yesterday was a holiday, but not the holiday a lot of people are uh, talking about. Yeah, it was Valentine's Day, but it was a holiday in the Wills household because we're that much closer to me being out of the house yes. a little more often than I have been here over the last uh, few months. But with that being said, you know, again, a lot of excitement down there, a little uh, back and forth going on, too. We read a couple of the articles that uh, Mark Topkin uh, presented today with uh, Brent Honeywell and Chris Archer and, uh, you know, we had Fan Fest over the weekend on Saturday. Got a chance to see Kevin's, met with Stu for a little while, uh, saw a bunch of players that we hadn't seen in quite some time. So, you know, again, despite some of the things that did go on during the offseason, the training of Evan Longoria, Alex Cobb becoming a general, uh, a free agent and still waiting to sign somewhere, uh, I'm excited. I really am. And I think, uh, again, I'm not walking around and uh, telling everybody we're going to be playing for the postseason, but I, I think we're going to be better than what a lot of people are anticipating. And, you know, as I've said before, who would have thought a year ago at this time that the New York Yankees would be one game away from going to the World Series. Everybody thought that they were going to be in a rebuilding year, and they jumped the line, and we jumped the line a few years back. Who's to say we can't do it again? Well, we, we shall see, and and for that to happen, we're going to have to get performances, probably some better performances from guys that we know, and maybe some performances from guys that we're not, I don't want to say not on our radar, but maybe guys that we have unknown expectations for. And Nathan Avaldi is a guy that keeps coming to mind, and when people talk to me, and I'm sure to you, about what's the Rays' rotation this year, for some reason I keep coming back to the guys that I'm familiar with, but that's right. Evaldi not only is here, but Dave, I think he he was thinking I'm almost ready to go by the end of last year, and now he 
has been letting it loose. And like Kevin Cash, and I'm sure we'll talk to uh, talk about him in just a little bit. He threw on the side today of Aldi, and so far, no limitations whatsoever. Who knows what sort of innings limitations there might be down the line? But I think from the beginning, we're going to have a guy that is pretty impressive in that starting rotation. Well, and, and a guy that's kind of been there and done that a little bit too. I mean, he, he's played under the bright lights in New York City for a bit. Uh, you know, he had spent some time with the Marlins as well. But here's a guy that I think can provide a little leadership for this team as well. And and he was ready to pitch. If the Rays had stayed in contention uh, till the end of last year and into the postseason, I think he probably would have been part of the, uh, not the rotation, but at least a part of that arsenal coming out of the bullpen. So I'm excited to see what he does. I mean, you know, I know it was only bullpens and everything else like that, but when people came walking back from bullpens with him and they're talking about 97 to 99 with fastballs, uh, a, a nasty slider and a great split, you know, you can't help but be excited about that. And I think, you know, you start thinking about some of the other guys, the question for me still is going to be our bullpen. What's going to happen in that bullpen? And, you know, Johnny Venters is a guy that another one that we always forget about. He's had three and a half Tommy Johns, as Mark Topkin noted in the paper today. But uh, here's a guy, another guy that has been there and done that. They brought back Sergio Romo. And, uh, you know, is there still a little magic left in that right arm? I think in the situations that Kevin utilized him last year, fifth and sixth innings and in pressure moments, I think was perfect. And hopefully we'd see more of the same there with uh, Sergio this year. But, you know, the, the, the thing is, we, we're getting back, I think, to our roots. And that's run prevention, pitching and catching it. We'll talk to Kevin about that here in just a little bit, but uh, I, I like it. I mean, I know already they're talking about launch angle, putting the uh, screens up around the infield to try and get guys to get some air underneath the baseball, but at the end of the day, this team's going to win because they're not going to be able to slug with the Yankees and the Red Sox, not even the Blue Jays and the Orioles, but I think they do have a chance to prevent some runs. We're still waiting to see as everything plays out who's going to be on our right side of the infield. I think we're pretty set on the left side as long as there aren't any changes, but uh, you got to be strong up the middle. I, I like the fact that we're strong behind the plate. We're strong at short. We're strong in center. The question we're at Mike right now is second base. Absolutely. And behind the plate, uh, Wilson Ramos came into camp a little thinner this year. And as oft, uh, I, I like to point out, guys in, in free agent years, those are guys that you want to circle and, and think that uh, they really could have a big year. This is a guy who was very, very close to hitting free agency when he got injured with the Nationals a couple of years ago, came back, provided certainly some things for the Rays, but got himself into a little better shape and not rehabbing so much, but getting himself into better. Now that he was out of shape last year, this is a catch you're not expecting speed from anyway, but he had so much to focus on that knee and getting that ready that I think he kind of gave the Rays what he had last year. This year, uh, I really, when's the last time, Dave, we went into spring training pretty confident and, and probably the end of, end of spring training being correct on who the two catchers are going to be. Yeah, not, it hasn't been that often. I mean, I go back to maybe 2009 when you mm -hmm. had Navi and you knew that, all right, he was going to be the guy. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that as long as everything, you know, again, there's a lot of stuff that could still happen between now and March 29th. I mean, there's, what, 43 days between now and then. And um, I, I, as we wait to see how some of these free agents uh, uh, and where they end up uh, unfolds, and then that might lead to a trade or two on the race part, so I think it's going to be a very, very hectic spring training. I think there's going to be a lot more exchanging of personnel than I think there has been in the past during spring. I mean, most most of these GMs nowadays are like what we've been experiencing with the Rays for the last few years. They like to do a lot of their movement in October, November, and into December, or November, December, and into January, and then, you know, kind of sit on it for a little while. But because of the... the the flux that everybody is in because of this, the free agents. I think it's going to be a very, very interesting spring where we were just walking by our communications department and trying to pick up a, a roster. And I think, you know, they put some on some real nice heavyweight paper here, some cardstock, uh, and it looks really, really sharp. But I get the feeling that uh, they're going to be going through 
a lot of paper and a lot of ink because <laughs> rosters are going to be ever-changing throughout the spring. The ripple effect from the free agents, what you're touching on here, could mean that trades go on right up until opening day. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of camp, you see trades happen maybe at the end of March this year. Well, again, I just think it's going to be – it was a very unique offseason, and I think that's going to lead to a very unique spring training where there might be more movement between teams than we've ever seen before. So uh, I, I think, again, with all these free agents still in the kind of holding pattern, especially a couple of the big ones, but I think you Darvish signing with the Cubs has maybe kind of opened up uh, a couple of lanes of, of traffic to be able to get through. So that will be kind of interesting to see. But, you know, Jay Cotarizzi just uh, won his uh, arbitration case against the Rays today, and he's done that now in back-to-back years. So, um, you know, th- there's been some talk about the Rays uh, listening to offers for him, and I'm sure there's a lot of teams out there that would love to have a guy like Jacob Rizzi in the middle of their rotation, and uh, we'll have to wait and see, although the Rays would love to have him too because he does have uh, a little, uh, you know, he's been there for a while. So it, 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 we're going to be we're gonna be watching this very, very closely, and uh, I think uh, hopefully here in the next few days you see a few more of these free agents sign, and, and then you start to see some clarity, and then maybe we can start really focusing on how this roster is going to play out. But, uh, you know, again, we were just talking about it. The Marlins have, what, like three outfielders on their 40-man. I mean, there, there's there, there's still plenty of rosters out there that are, are still, you know, it's, it's a fluid situation, and it's going to be that way, I think, throughout the entire month of March, no doubt about it. Well, we've got lots to get to here on Countdown to Opening Day, including Dave and uh, myself sitting down with the Commissioner of Baseball, Rob Manfred. We'll probably get to that around the bottom of the hour. When we come back, though, we are scheduled to be joined by the manager of the race, of course, that is Kevin Cash with almost a completely new staff this year. Only two coaches carry over from last year to this year. Lots to talk about, of course, with the skipper. And uh, and later on, we might even have some other special guests, including our own Neil Solange. But this is Countdown to Opening Day, 43 days until well, we see the Rays take on the Boston Red Sox. We're at Tropicana Field tonight with Dave Wills. I'm Andy Freed. Back in a moment on 620 WDAE. Don't miss any of the memories this season as the Rays celebrate their 20th anniversary. Rays single-game tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m. exclusively on RaysBaseball.com. Be there opening day, March the 29th, against the Red Sox and see other premier matchups against the Yankees, Phillies, Braves, and more. Rays up. We are counting down to opening day. This is our countdown to opening day radio show with Dave Wills. I'm Andy Freed. Neil Solange in just a little bit. We are at Tropicana Field tonight where the uh, annual Governor's Dinner is taking place. Did I hear right, Dave? 58th annual 58th, Governor's I mean, Dinner. Yeah. I mean, for spring training, not, I mean, talk about stating the obvious, it's it's pretty big deal here in Florida, and and, and uh, everyone knows it. It's exciting. Yeah, you know, again, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be I'm seeing it here, and we've been working with Wayne Hogan, a, a great gentleman who has uh, shared some of the history of this uh, great dinner with us. I think it went on hiatus for a few years there, uh, and then has been back here for the last uh, handful of years as well and throughout the state of Florida. But, you know, he mentioned guys like Ralph Kiner, Lindsey Nelson. I mean, those these guys hosted it, and it goes all the way back to, you know, right around World War II when uh, guys would uh, get together in downtown Tampa, and they would set things up right there so that the baseball people, the writers, and other people, broadcasters, were all at this uh, Tampa Terrace Hotel, and they would get together and share stories till late at night. They kept the bar open for everybody, as back in the day they would, and, and then it was close to the Western Union uh, office so that they can get their uh, information sent out. And it was also very, very close uh, to where they can get to the airport then and uh, put their film on a plane to get it to wherever they needed to get it to uh, continue the coverage of spring training. So, you know, Florida's always been synonymous with spring training for me growing up uh, in the, the Chicago area, being a White Sox 
Sox fan as a kid and Sarasota, always hearing about Sarasota, always uh, you know wishing I was in Sarasota. And uh, here we are now. We live here. We get a chance to uh, really experience it firsthand and really looking forward to getting down a little past Sarasota, the Port Charlotte, uh, a week from tomorrow where we'll be broadcasting our very, very first game. We will, and one man that has been down in Port Charlotte already, and we get a chance to uh, have access to the manager of the Rays, Kevin Cash, all year long, and we're greatly appreciative of that. And he is on the line right now from Port Charlotte. Skipper, how the heck are you? How is spring training going? Number four for you. I know it's early to really make sense of anything, but uh, w- the sense that I get is that it's going to be a pretty fast-paced and high-energy camp. Is that is that the way it's designed? That's the hope. But first of all, good to hear you guys' voice back on. It means it's about baseball time, and I think that's what we're all about and the listeners are all about. So thanks for having me on and uh, looking forward to seeing you guys when you get down here in uh, another week or so. But, yeah, that, that's kind of the MO with spring training. Look, we, we feel like we've gotten a little bit younger, uh, maybe a little bit more athletic, and we want to we wanna try to get the most out of the guys, uh, you know, Spring, planning spring training is tough. And Matt Cataro, our new third base coach, and obviously everybody knows Rocco Baldelli, have done a tremendous job of trying to integrate some different ideas to get our players on and off the field. Get them off the field so they can do what they want, whether it's golf, go fishing, do whatever. But when they're on the field, let's make it as high intensity of a workload as possible. And so far early on for two days, it's, it's gone really, really well. You know, Kevin, we talked a lot here over the last few weeks, whenever we've been on the air, about a lot of the additions to the roster and some of the young players. But let, let's go back even a little further and talk about some of the new additions on your coaching staff. You talked about Q, but Kyle Snyder, the new pitching coach, Ozzie Timmons coming up from the minor leagues. I mean, there, there's probably, uh, it's, it's to me, it seems like there's kind of a new vibe maybe within the coach's office as well. Yeah, you know what there might be. We I was so fortunate for three years to have some just tremendous coaches that the Rays uh, – surrounded me with and I got to learn with them and some veteran coaches and it just kind of felt like you know this was maybe the time to bring in some guys that have a lot of experience with our uh, our minor league players our player development players that we're going to be seeing a lot of here in the coming weeks months and uh, you know Kyle Snyder is probably right at the top of that just the impact that he's had on our overall pitching program in the in the minor league level it was time for him to be a big league pitching coach he was probably a year overdue, and just the the, the off season and the early goings of spring, you can tell uh, he's going to have a big impact with a lot of these guys. And then Ozzie Timmons, the same can be said for him. I mean, he's a guy that's done it as a hitting coach from a different angle than Kyle, and has worked with a lot of these players. He's got a real calm sense about him, stays positive all the time, and those are really good traits to have as a hitting coach. Because uh, I know media wise, uh, that hitting coach. Uh, position gets beat up and it's not easy and he's going to assist Chad Matola and try to you know hit the right buttons with these guys and give them some confidence to go perform for us you know Tom Foley was always next to you uh, in the dugout and uh, we know what kind of role he's had with this organization he's not in the immediate coaching staff now but from what we understand and I'm curious if you could explain like what what role will he have and then what's it going to be like with Charlie I mean you've known Charlie for many years and you always saw him, of course, at the third base coaching lines, but it speaks to his importance to the staff, too, that he's now your right-hand man. Yeah, uh, he is. And, and uh, you know, Tom Foley, that, that was a really uh, – the, the way that we came about that and the way that he handled it couldn't have been more appreciative. I mean, the, the, the irony to all that is about ten minutes ago I was on a pond here in poor Charlotte fishing right next to him cutting jokes. So our relationship is really strong, and I'm going to continue to lean on him like I have 
over the last couple of years. I think we, we view Foe, when he's around our club, he's there to help our players, but he's also here, there to help our staff. There's no veteran, there's, uh, there's no more veteran uh, person or more experienced person than Tom Foley. That's the type of person you guys know as well as anybody. He, he's just a, he's one of those guys you want to be around, you want to talk to, you want to joke with, talk baseball with, and uh, that will continue. As far as Charlie goes, no, the, the way you look at it is Charlie Montoyo, as much as anybody, when he was hired um, three years ago to, to be in the big leagues, he probably managed more – well, he definitely had managed more games than anybody on that staff. And it felt like the right time to get him there, get him integrated with – the in-game decision-making and and let some of that knowledge that he's gained over his 18, 20-year career of managing baseball games go to use and, 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 and help, you know, myself, him, and Kyle make some, some of those tough uh, game-time decisions. We're visiting with Kevin Cash, Ray Skipper here on our Countdown to Opening Day show with Andy Fried. I am Dave Wills. And, you know, again, Kevin, just, uh, you know, checking the Internet and reading up on some of the reports that uh, – the, the first couple of days of spring training. It sounds to me, and I know most managers will talk about this at the beginning of camp, how we want to work on fundamentals, but you, you mentioned the, the energy and, and some of the things you're trying to do different so that spring training doesn't become mundane. And, and just reading and hearing about it from different people, like put, you know, putting the, the, the nets up so that guys – you know, if they want to work on launch angle or whatever, they can. And that's it gives them more of a, you know, people want to see results, and that's an opportunity for them to do it. I also read, too, though, that, like, for pitching in infield practice and, and drills, you were using, you know, rubber balls or balls that you can maybe gain a little more speed to to kind of, uh, again, maybe incorporate more of a game speed action as opposed to the mundane method of just rolling a ball out to the pitcher. I mean, is that all the stuff that you're trying to get across to these guys? And, and if this team is going to go to where we want to go, we are going to have to be much improved in some areas of fundamentals, especially pitching it and catching it. There's no, there's no doubt about it. We're, for us to be successful this year, we're, we're going to have to pitch it and catch it, and that's kind of the, will be the focal point of the entire spring. But a couple of those drills that you mentioned, I mean, uh, they're fun drills, too. I mean, you got Tom Foley and Jared Sandberg, Sandberg our AAA manager who won it all last year in the International League, rifling balls, comebackers at these pitchers. They make a game of it. They get their work in, and then at the end of it, you know, they get it's called king of the hill. Which group of eight can, can be the last one without missing a ball? There's a lot of hooting and hollering going on. It brings some energy. I mean, look, look I'm the first to tell you I've learned it's impossible to bring energy to PFT drills. They get boring, and they get mundane, and it's repetitive, and we're trying to throw a wrinkle in that to where the guys are enjoying it. Cut the time probably in half. Cut it shorter. Get off the field. But when you're on the field, we want you to break a sweat and, 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 and have fun while you're doing that. As far as the, you know, the, the, the launch angle stuff, that, that's, that's a big thing in baseball right now. Uh, the good thing is we've got a bunch of players that are already pretty informed with that simply because they care and they go into the offseason, they, they work with their personal hitting coaches and, and get their thoughts, and that's kind of what's going on. I mean, we're not asking with the launch angle, we don't want it to be confused. We're not asking Alex Smith to launch balls up into the air. We know that's not his game, but any type of – additional trajectory you can get on a baseball, you got a better chance for extra base hits. And I think we all saw firsthand when Malik Smith hits a, uh, a ball in the gap, that our stadium gets really loud because we all appreciate how fast he is and how much he can run. 
You know, Kevin, as you're talking about this stuff, it occurs to me that you know, you're setting a tone for spring training right at the very beginning to have it be a productive camp. But as we know, the the season is something that goes on six, seven months, hopefully even more. Are any of these drills, drills that will be incorporated during the season, will we see some of those screens up during BP? Or is it something you want to touch on now but not necessarily come back to later? What, what about that? No, that's a great question, Andy. And, and you know what, we we have to do, I have to do a better job of implementing all these things that we work on in spring training, sometimes we it's easiest for, for us to lose sight of them once the season gets underway and the routine of the season. It's okay. We I think we've learned over the last three years it's okay to mix it up a little bit. And and you know what? We're going to cancel BP this day and do something different on the field. Or we're going to get the pitchers out there or a handful of pitchers to work on something specific. So we're going to take this time during spring training and – kind of find out what clicks a little bit for the guys, what challenges them enough to where uh, they're, they're getting something out of it and, and the, the, the confidence is, is there to do these drills. And then we will try to uh, definitely put them into play once the season starts and maintain that throughout the course of the season. Kevin, I realize two days are you know in the books, but you've been down there for about a, a little more than a week now, and guys have been down there working out. Is there... Again, I, I, we're 43 days away from opening day. A lot of can change, and guys are throwing to catchers. There's nobody in the batter's box, and vice versa. It's just a BP. But have there been a couple of guys who have already kind of caught your eye by being, A, maybe in better shape than you anticipated, or balls coming out of the hand nicer? I mean, are there a couple oh, of guys no that you, you've noticed? There's a bunch of them. There, there's no doubt there's a bunch of them. Um, you know, the, the, the Yanni Torinos. Uh, it's been really impressive. We weren't, we didn't get to see him. I got to see him on video last year. He had a tremendous year in Durham, and watching him throw his bullpen yesterday, uh, it was fun. And you understand why our player development system, our scouting system, our front office is so excited about this young guy, and know that he's going to impact us sooner than later. And there's a, there's a bunch of other ones, but and as far as today goes, I mean, there's not many times that you can sit there and say. You sell 300 miles an hour worth of fastballs between three guys, and they were lined, lined in order. It was uh, Ryan Stanek, Ian Gabo, and Diego Castillo. And, I mean, it, was, it sounded like, uh, you know, it, 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 guns were going off when they were hitting the catcher's mitt. So that was exciting. Anytime you see that big power early on, it, it's just amazing. Um, today also, Jose Alvarado, you know, to see where he came in, and it, it looks like he picked up right where he left off, just pumping the strike zone with a lot of power. All of those things uh, have got all of us excited and talking after those workouts. And speaking of guys that can that can get it up there, Nathan Avaldi is a guy that uh, prior to Tommy John was uh, one of the hardest-throwing fastball pitchers in the league. What do we expect from him? I mean, I remember talking to you towards the end of last year, and he was – he was pumped up and, and ready to go. It was time to take a break for him, but I think he wanted to continue the momentum he had going. What do we expect? What, what do you what do you expect out of Nathan this year? Nate's going to start for us. We'll we'll figure out the day he's going to start, but he's going to be in our rotation. He's going to provide a, a you know a big boost for us as far as the innings he provides. The, uh, provides the leadership. You guys saw that firsthand for an injured player. How he carried himself throughout the entire course of the year busting in the weight room, supporting teammates. I'm thrilled that he is, um, you know, looks to be about 110%. We joked around with the media session after after the practice today. I, do not throw a bullpen next to Nate Eovaldi because you're not going to feel good afterwards. <laughs> Make sure that you skip a couple guys or slots down because 
the stuff that comes out of his hand is second to none. Visiting again with Kevin Cash, Ray Skipper here on our Countdown to Opening Day show with Andy Freed. I'm Dave Wills, and we are again broadcasting live from Tropicana Field where they're going to be hosting the Governor's Baseball Dinner here in just a little bit. And, Kevin, as we, you know, the, the games hey, are let still... Me, I don't want to interrupt you, Dave, but let me just tell you how much I value you and Andy's relationship. I really wanted to be at that dinner. really wanted to be at that <laughs> dinner. I can tell. Yeah. This was more of a priority to, to talk to you guys because, you know what, we do it for 162, and... That dinner, it only comes around once a year, but I felt like it was really good to, to get the, the, the opportunity to talk with you guys. Well, we appreciate it. You know, I, I got all mushy right there for a second. I appreciate I appreciate the, the I think the what we can do that, is set yeah. up a nice photo shoot, yeah, you we, know, we, next but, time he's here. <laughs> well, n- next year. N- there's always next year for the governor's dinner if, uh, w- if it doesn't fall on Countdown to Opening Day show. So, uh, But, all right, you, you look ahead here, and. We've touched on the guys that we haven't really seen a whole lot of, and Matt Duffy falls into that category as well. But we're getting reports that he looks uh, healthy, that he looks ready to go, and uh, it's going to be different not seeing number three over at third base. But we know that Matt Duffy can play that position rather well too. There's no doubt about it. and You, you covered a lot with that question. And let me first say, uh, you know, I, I, Longo and I have exchanged text messages back and forth the last couple of days and couldn't be happier for him in his situation. He's uh, definitely wished us luck, as I know our entire organization in Bay Area feels about him and what he's meant to this franchise. Wish him nothing but the best. And go into the scene knowing that we're not going to replace Evan Longoria. That's very easy for anybody that's been around to realize that. Uh, and we don't want to put any pressure on anybody trying to fill those shoes. But uh, Matt Duffy right now has probably been the most uh, the highlight for me just to see him walking around. He's smiling. He's agile. He's moving. He's taking 50 to uh, 50 to 75 ground balls a day. You have to tell him to stop taking ground balls because he wants to be out there. He's all, he's almost uh, trying to make up for some lost time. But it, it, it kind of sends chills down your back watching what this kid has gone through. And uh, you know he got beat up a little bit last year by some naysayers, but for for the way he has worked his butt off this this off season to come in the spring in shape. He's been here early. And he's already showing those leadership abilities, and he looks awesome at third base. So a lot to be excited for right there. I'm sure it's too early to talk about your, your starting lineups, but is it possible that Matt could hit towards the top of this lineup? I mean, he's known as a guy that's a contact hitter, and if you're looking for guys to get on base, you could certainly do worse than that. Could he be a, a towards-the-top-of-the-order guy? I think so. I mean, look, we're going to have to take some time, like you said, and, and piece it out, feel it out a little bit, but... You know, Matt Duffy is a guy that we revisited when you and I would talk or me, you and Dave would talk after after or before a game. He was a guy that we felt we really missed last year to complement our offense, complement the home runs. He was a guy that could get on base, could work a pitcher and take a single to right or drive a runner in from third base. So to me, he's a little bit of a wild card is where he slots in the lineup. Right now, the early goings we've talked about trying to find that spot where we need to we need to um, complement that part of the lineup. It could be second, it could be third, it could be seventh. I mean, he's such a complete baseball player, and you can bet that he's going to give more quality at bats than not. That 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 makes it exciting, and that that's we're going to try to let him uh, dictate a little bit with his performance in spring and see how his timing comes about. And I, at the end of it, I bet he'll be telling us where he belongs in the lineup. I don't want you to have to break any news here or anything like that, Kevin, but the, the full squad will be reporting here 
uh, toward the end of the weekend, and uh, you know you have your first workouts then uh, shortly thereafter. What, what what's what's your message? Have you even thought about it yet about what your message is going to be to the team when you get everybody together? Because obviously a couple of your lead bulls are no longer here, and I'm not only just talking about Evan or Alex Cobb, but Logan Morrison was a very loud bull uh, at times. I mean, uh, you know, there, there are some lead bulls who are no longer here. So what might be your message be to, to the guys that are still here and some of the new guys that are just coming up? You know what? I, I've spent a lot of time thinking about that, and I've talked to a lot of people that i got a lot of respect with, respect for in this game, uh, Terry Francona being one. And the last thing you want to do, what I learned from him is, you can't go away from the message that you gave the year before or the year before prior than that because players are going to see through that that you're always changing. So I don't know how much the, 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 the message changes. But the one thing that, that, that I will say is we, we're unproven. That doesn't mean that we can't, be, we can't be good. We can't be special. We feel like we're deep in some very important parts of any baseball lineup, pitching being at the top and being able to defend the, defend the baseball. I think that's the message that we're going to take. Let's allow some of these young players to go out and showcase themselves. We're excited to sit there and watch them for six weeks uh, go out and perform. And, and, you know, for the guys that we haven't seen, uh, whether they're newcomers or they've been in AAA, uh, it's an exciting time for us at the, on the big league staff because we hear all the hype during, the, during our season. To get to see him go perform, it, it makes it really exciting. But that unproven word is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, you, you've seen a lot of teams over the last couple of years that uh, you, you see what they are on paper, and then all of a sudden you look at the end of the year, and they've had some really, really good seasons. Well, Skipper, we're going to be seeing you very soon. Look, we could sit here and break down this whole roster. There's not enough time, but we know uh, we know you're hurt by not being able to be here and, and speak to the group, but we're glad we could have been your consolation prize tonight, and we, we seriously do thank you for the time. Guys, I appreciate the time, and I can't wait to see you guys, and uh, we'll have some fun as we always do. We're looking will. forward to it, Kevin. Thank you very, very much. Appreciate it. All right, guys. See you. Kevin Cash, the Rays skipper, joining us here as part of our countdown to opening day show. And a reminder, the Rays invite you to join them on Saturday, February 17th and Monday, February 19th at Charlotte Sports Park to watch the players work out in preparation of spring training starting next week. You meet Raymond and DJ Kitty. Enjoy interactive games, family entertainment, and visit the team store and get some of that new 20th anniversary gear as well. So, again, that's uh, this weekend, Saturday, and then on Monday, February 19th. He's Andy. I'm Dave. I'm out of here. Neil Solons will be jumping in here in just a little bit as well. And uh, when we come back, uh, we sat down with the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manford. We'll get to that interview when we come back after this on your countdown to opening day show on your home for Rays Radio 620 WDAE. And now on Countdown to Opening Day, we are pleased to be joined by the Commissioner of Major League Baseball. That is, of course, Rob Manfred. And it is that time of year. It is spring training time. I notice a smile on your face, and sometimes about the fan, and still comes out. Well, it's uh, always an exciting time of year. I look forward to the uh, governor's dinner here in Florida each year because it's the end of the off season. We can stop talking about off-field activity, and we can get back to talking about baseball. But there is some big news here in Tampa last week. Uh, Stuart Sternberg and uh, some of the uh, city officials of Tampa and county officials from Hillsborough County announced that they are looking at the Ybor City site for a new ballpark to uh, continue to bring baseball to the folks here in Tampa Bay. I, for one, and I know I've been joking about it with a few of the guys on the commission, it's going to cut down on my commute if indeed we end up over there, and I think it's going to be a great setup, and I really do think it's going to help this uh, region 
you know, with baseball. I mean, people watch us on TV. People listen to us on the radio. We just haven't been able to get enough fannies in the seats. And I think by hopefully moving the ballpark to where more of the people are, that should only help. And I would imagine you're pretty excited about that, too. Well, I was excited about the announcement. I I think the most important thing um, for the Tampa Bay, St. Pete region is to preserve baseball for the region, wherever it is, whichever side of the bay. Um, you know, baseball is a huge asset for the region. Um, we're committed to the region and want to see it work. Um, I, I actually have seen the site. Um, it is a nice site. I think it could be great for the, for the club over the long haul. When a team is looking to move, especially within an area, what is the role of a commissioner? How active are you in working with Stu and working with local government? Are you involved? How, what's a commissioner's role with that? Um, well, y- you know, um, it is basically a local project. Obviously, it's Stu's project. He's the leader of the project. But I have come down on a couple of occasions to meet with governmental officials, community leaders, in an effort to try to be helpful, f- uh, in an effort that's important not only for Tampa, Tampa Bay, St. Pete, the region, but also for Major League Baseball. You know, and speaking of Major League Baseball, as we visit with Commissioner Rob Manfred here on our Countdown to Opening Day show, we're coming off a, a spectacular 2017 season. I mean, uh, when you think back to the regular season and some of the highlights from it, then the postseason you had an incredible seven-game series between the uh, Yankees and the Astros. Then you had another incredible seven-game series in the World Series that, I mean, people were talking about it for weeks on end after it was over. And, and from a baseball standpoint, being the broadcaster of the Rays, I, I still get goosebumps because of the way people responded to the way last season went. I mean, it, you know, again, you couldn't have drawn it up probably any better, could you? Well, it was, a, it was a fantastic end to the season. Um, I, I think that uh, the trend of really highly talented, exciting young players coming into the game, players that were so prevalent um, during the postseason um, last year, I think really has engaged our fans. I think it's really important for the sport going forward. Um, you know, we, we were very fortunate. Um, we had some iconic franchises involved, and you know, uh, meaning the Dodgers, the Yankees, but also e- equally interesting. You know, Houston was a great story in and of itself w- with um, the storms, the hurricane, um, all the damage that was done, and how committed they were to the community. Really a great story for us. You know, and, and people overlook that, I think, sometimes. And a lot of times the great stories come out after when you hear how players were involved or how players are involved in Puerto Rico right now and the rebuilding of that terrific nation and all the things that are going on. And uh, when you look at the way it all comes together, it, the relationship between a baseball team and a community is, I think, really unrivaled almost in America. It's, it's a very unique, almost a one-on-one relationship. Yeah, and I think that really was the point of the Houston story. Um, you know, Jim Crane, the players were so involved in the effort in that community. There was a great bond between the community and, and the players and the club, and you saw it during the postseason in terms of the support they received. And, you know, and one of the things that Andy and I love to talk about during the broadcast is when we do talk about the younger generation getting involved in the game, and I know we'll talk about the play ball initiative that I know is near and dear to your heart, but when you look at some of the up-and-coming guys or some of the stars of the game right now, they go from, you know, Jose Altuve, who's five foot nothing, up to Aaron Judge, who's six foot 20 and weighs 350 pounds. I mean, it, it's the beauty of baseball. You don't have to be one particular size. You don't have to be big and strong. You can be a five foot four guy. You can be a six foot five guy, and still play the game at a very, very high level. 
You know, I think it's one of the great advantages that our sport has in terms of attracting young players and the best athletes um, to the sport. Size really doesn't matter. Um, we, we certainly saw it during the postseason last year um, with the contrast between Aaron and, and Jose Altuve. Um, but it is an advantage for, for, for the sport. You know, you don't have to be seven feet tall to play this game. You know, and when you look at the fact that we're, we're all in a, you in a much more prominent position than us, of course, but we are the stewards of the game right now. This game was here before us. It'll be here after us. We're the ones that, especially you, but even in, in a sense, Dave, I, all of us with a raise, have a chance to put a fingerprint on the game and allow it to be as magical as it can be. What is the best way then to pass that on to the next generation? What, what is your role in that? What should everyone's role in the game be in that? Well, I think um, first on my list there, is investing in youth participation. The best way to grow the next generation of fans is to get kids to play the game. All the It's true of our sport. It's true of any sport. Fans get built by participation. So that's why we're investing so heavily in the play ball initiative. Secondly, you know, our clubs do great work um, in creating a family-friendly atmosphere in the ballpark. The younger a child is when they go to the ballpark the first time the more likely they are to be a lifelong fan and our environment is the key to that sale and you know the club it's not just the everyday environment clubs has all these special promotions that they do in order to attract families get people to bring their kids and then the the the, the other two things i think we we need to be mindful of our product um, we need to use technology to engage a generation that is really technology-focused, and we may need to make sure that the product we put out on the field moves with a pace and excitement that is attractive to young people. And I know that's something that has been uh, at the top of your agenda, it seems, here over the last uh, few months about pace of play. People have been talking about it. Uh, I know Andy and I talk about uh, it during the broadcast where it's not necessarily a three-hour and ten-minute game that could be slow. It could be a three-hour and fifteen-minute game, and you can't believe that uh, it's over already, whereas there can be other games where it's two hours and 58 minutes and there's a drag. It is about the pace of play. It's about keeping kids and everybody else engaged. And I think sometimes, though, Rob, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I know Andy looks at me mad sometimes. I think maybe we're delivering the message wrong ourselves. It seems like it's the broadcasters, maybe the news writers, that are the ones complaining about it most. But, you know, I'm sure the fans want this game to move along too, though. Look, um, we've done a lot of research um, on this topic. Um, and interestingly, ESPN just did some research that they made available to us. The number one issue that our fans identify with the game is pace and length of the game. Um, that's a fact. It's not a figment of your imagination. It's not a figment of mine. It's what fans tell us about the game. And we need to be responsive to our fans. It's really that simple. Well, you look at some of the things as we visit here on Countdown to Opening Day with Commissioner Rob Manfred. One of the ongoing stories in this offseason is that the hot stove never really heated up all that much, only in little spurts here or there. There are free agents that are waiting to be signed, established big leaguers that haven't. Uh, what has your role and your thoughts been on some of that, and how is it ultimately going to end? Because spring training, it's here. Well, first and most important, we want players to get signed. Um, you know, obviously players who are good enough to play in the big leagues, um, you know, we want them to be signed and, and, and want them out there playing. We always want the best athletes on the field. Um, we have a market-based system. Um, markets turn out differently. Not every market's the same. 
Um, it's particularly true in our business because it's different players that are out there. Um, and we are in a business that's undergoing tremendous change in terms of the way it has undergone tremendous change in terms of the way it's managed, how players are evaluated. So I think that um, it's a variety of factors that um, has caused the phenomenon that you've seen. But it's important to remember there's a, uh, there's a lot of players out there who have very large offers that, you know, they just haven't found their way to accept quite. Uh, again, you know, let's say we'll see how that all plays out. Um, you know, th- there's situations for like the Rays right now. We're kind of waiting to see where some of those guys maybe move so that we might be able to make a move or, to ourselves. So it's, it could be maybe one of the more interesting spring trainings. I mean, I think back to the last few spring trainings, you've had some headlines out there with, uh, you know, the Rays going to Cuba a couple of years ago. You had Will Ferrell going and playing on about eight or nine different teams. And, and, and it was just, from a, again, from a baseball fan standpoint, to see baseball at the front and at the beginning of sports sections and sports reports and so on and so forth to get baseball in the news when there's a lot of stuff going on at that time. The NBA and NHL are running into their playoffs. Uh, you've got the NCAA tournament going on. What do you have up your sleeve for this year? Because we seem to have had something the last few years to get baseball to the top uh, of the pages, of the sports pages. Well, you know, we're really excited about um, the changes surrounding opening day uh, this year. The idea of having, I love the idea of everybody playing opening day. Um, I love the idea that opening day should be, you know, focused solely on baseball. Um, I think the move off Sunday into the midweek will really help us in that regard. And I think this new format will be really popular with the fans. What do you think are the challenges for this game moving forward right now? There's always going to be. Nothing's ever going to be perfect at any point in time. But during your stewardship as commissioner, what do you see are the major challenges that this, that this game and this industry needs to tackle before you hand it off to whoever's next? I think that, you know, I feel like I just got here. I hope you're not chasing me along already. You know, I mean, I'm only getting going. <laughs> Look, I think we need to continually um, evaluate the product that we're putting on the field. Um, you, you know, people talk about being against change in baseball. Um, the fact of the matter is our game has changed dramatically in terms of the way it's being played on the field. And I think one of the big challenges for us is are we going to let the game continue to change organically based on decisions that 30 GMs make in an effort to win a few more games, or are we going to manage that change um, a little more carefully to make sure that we preserve the, the quality, the entertainment product that we put out in the field. And, you know, I would suggest to you that um, other sports have been more aggressive in terms of managing the rules in order to enhance the entertainment value of the product. So I think that's, that's a place where we really need to be focused going forward. I will give you credit because I know that's a, another thing. When Andy and I are having our conversations during the broadcast, it seems like for a long, long time, The motto of baseball was, well, this is the way we always did it. And the other motto was, you know, maybe a case where um, we were more reactionary than actionary, than getting out in front. And I think one of the things, and I applaud all the teams who have done this, adding the netting to make it a heck of a lot safer for fans behind the dugouts and near the field because, you know, the, the saying we like to use, the game gets easier the further away from the dirt. And it also slows down the further away from the dirt. We had the opportunity to sit in the first row behind the dugout for a, rain, uh, a, a Toronto Blue Jays-White Sox game. We had an off day in Toronto. And it had been a long time since I've been on the field. That game is very, very fast. And that ball gets on you very, very quick. So I applaud uh, Major League Baseball for being out in front and, and extending the netting, which I think 
might be a grumble for some people, but I think it's going to make the game safer for the fans. Well, look, safety has to be our first concern. And, you know, I really applaud the clubs on this one. Um, you know, it, it, everything being mandated out of the commissioner's office is no way to run this business. The clubs analyzed their situations and to a club decided to make this change in order to promote the safety of the fans. The other point that I'll make about netting, you know, it, it's not your mother's netting. You know, it's it, the netting today is much better than it used to be in terms of the visual. Um, there's been a lot of research done on how you minimize the visual impact in terms of the color of the netting and, and whatnot. And so I think the impact for fans um, will be wholly positive from this change. Final thing as we wrap it up with the commissioner, Rob Manfred, and we thank you for joining us here on Countdown to Opening Day. You know, we look at our market. Dave and I have been here for this is our 14th season. Uh, Larry over here in the room has been here since the very beginning. This, this team has been entrenched now, but I think our area takes some hits nationally sometimes uh, uh, for, for whatever reason, perhaps because there haven't been enough people in the ballpark. Why is this market important for Major League Baseball? Be- people flimsily throw around, this team should move, that team should move. I'm real sensitive when it comes to that. You, you tell us, well, why is Tampa St. Pete so important to Major League Baseball? Well, first of all, you know, we have a – Globally, just at the highest level, we has, have always had a policy of remaining loyal to the communities that we're in. Baseball has been very reluctant to allow relocations and, and, and is allowed far fewer than any other sport. Um, Tampa is a good media market. Um, you know, it's a good size market. Um, we think Florida is strategically important. Um, to us moving forward. And um, I believe that with the great management of Stu Sternberg and his group, that this franchise in the right facility can be really successful in this market. I totally agree. And as we close it out, uh, you know, I've noticed there's a lot of guys in suits floating around uh, Tropicana Field today. And uh, as commissioner, I'm sure you've got people around you all the time. But here it is, the beginning of spring training. Games start in about a week. I mean, we're spoiled. We live here year-round. So, I mean, this has been kind of like what we dealt with all winter long from a guy who's had to be up in New York City for a while and maybe saw a lot more snow than he wanted to or what have you. I mean, are you ever able to throw a polo shirt on, some shorts, and go watch a ball game? Or uh, can you you let your hair down and do that? Yeah, look, I, I love going to the ballpark. I love sitting outside. I think spring training is a unique opportunity to get rid of the uh, shirt and tie um, you you know and and really enjoy a baseball game so I will be out both here in uh, Florida and in Arizona to see some spring training baseball I'm really looking forward to it. Mr. Commissioner we thank you so much for joining us welcome again to the Tampa St. Pete area and uh, we've had you on a couple of times now going back to Cuba it's like you're our third man in the booth thank you so much. That is the Commissioner Rob Manfred, the Commissioner, of course, of Major League Baseball. And this is Countdown to Opening Day. We are 43 days from Opening Day right here where we're broadcasting tonight at Tropicana Field. The Rays will be hosting the Boston Red Sox. I would think it'll be Chris Archer against Chris Sale. But who knows? It's a 4 o'clock game that day. We're even closer than that to the beginning of Spring Training Baseball. And Rays Spring Training Baseball presented by Visit Tampa Bay is back with a Rays combo pack. You'll get one ticket to four Spring Training games plus a ticket to a regular season game at Tropicana Field for just 98 bucks. That's a savings of up to $50. Visit RaysBaseball.com slash spring for more information. Raise up. When we come back, Neil Solons is up here in the booth now. Moments ago, he got a chance to talk to Hall of Famer Wade Boggs. We'll have that, and Neil and I will wrap things up on Countdown to Opening Day, Sports Radio 620 WDAE. 
three times to baseball this spring. Get your spring training three game packs and enjoy three games, great savings, and your choice of Rays opponents starting at just $51. Visit RaysBaseball.com slash spring for more information. Raise up. That is the voice of Neil Solons. I'm Andy Free. Dave Wills has moved over to the Governor's Dinner, which is happening here, the 58th annual Governor's Dinner tonight at Tropicana Field. But we're counting down to opening day, eight days until the Grapefruit League opener. Next Friday, the split squad between the Rays and the Pirates and also one at Sarasota against the Orioles. And then, Neil, we'll all be a part of the broadcast next Saturday, and you'll be hosting the next this weekend or uh, countdown to opening mm-hmm. day this weekend, Rays Baseball. Hot Stove Show, whatever we're calling it now. Anyway, you'll be doing that next Saturday, but uh, you got a chance to talk to Wade Boggs, and this is this is an interesting night here at the Chapel. Yeah, of course it is. You, you mentioned the dinner that's going on tonight, so we have a, a lot of dignitaries on hand, and certainly Wade is among them, a Hall of Famer, um, and a guy, the only Ray, who's gotten his 3,000th hit in a Tampa Bay uniform. And, of course, this being the 20th anniversary of Ray's baseball, I asked Wade what it means to be part of 20 years of history of the Tampa Bay Rays. First of all, this is, I don't know if you saw, this is now the 20th anniversary of Ray's baseball. So what does it mean to you as someone who was a big part of the history here? Well, I, I feel like that I was a big part of the foundation. And coming over from the Yankees and and being a part of, of the inaugural year in, in, uh, in 98. And whenever you put together a team of 25 individuals that come from other organizations and everything, they're growing pains. And, but we, we, we got close as a team. Uh, 98 and then 99 uh, went through the 3,000 hit year. But uh, uh, just bringing baseball to Tampa Bay. And I grew up here. Uh, played a little league in Tampa, and coming back and playing in front of f- friends and family, it meant so much to end my career in Tampa Bay that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm so honored and so blessed to be a part of uh, the beginning of where baseball is in Tampa Bay. Is it nice to see it have gone for 20 years now and and some great possibilities for the future? I don't know if you saw last week the possibility of the Rays moving the location on the other side of the bay, potentially to Ybor? Well, I think it's a huge upside. I've always said that. I, 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 I've always said that if, if they build a retractable dome on the water where home runs go in the water or something of that nature, uh, like various other cities, then uh, the attendance will go up. Uh, they've had some wonderful teams here, and, and they've, uh, you know, questioned the attendance. And... You know, it, it's an evolution process that uh, that the Devil Rays slash Rays. It's the evolutionary process that they need to uh, to put more people in the seats. That's Hall of Famer Wade Boggs chatting, Neil, with you just uh, not that long ago at all. In fact, and. Uh, I think everybody is very excited, not only for what is going to be coming this year, but what could be hopefully coming down the line on the other side of the other side of the bay as well. And I don't know. I, I would have thought, as of whenever it was December, when Evan was traded, uh, that it would be kind of a down feeling for spring. I get the opposite of that right now. I'm getting a, a, an exuberance that I don't know. Maybe I haven't felt in quite so many years. There's a good energy, a good vibe. I mean, it started with you know last week. You, you begin with the new logo. I kind of like the marks, I'm, and I think they've been very well received. Then the announcement in Ebor, and I think beyond that, you also have had the fact that this organization's farm system has gone from maybe the bottom third 
um, when Matt Silverman took over on the baseball operations side in 2014 to this point with Eric Neander heading things where they're now, what, either fifth or seventh, depending on, on the, the rankings. And how are you getting to see most of these guys, a lot of the top prospects in spring training, not only seeing them, but where they have a chance to impact the roster this year. And I think that, to me, is what's exciting about this spring training. There are so many names down there, and this is one of those spring trainings, too, where I think you do need the scorecard mm-hmm. to keep track of everybody. A lot of non-roster guys, Dustin McGowan just signing. Yes. I know Kevin Cash goes way back with him. Uh, there's a lot of people down there, and I, I can't figure out, and I don't think there is an answer yet on how this bullpen's going to get worked out, but some of those non-roster guys that are in there now might have some sort of, in fact, I think will have some sort of a role, and and I think all the, the moves are still to come. This yes. is going to be a, a crazy spring training. It, it's a jigsaw puzzle with a lot of moving parts, there's no doubt about it. Um, I, I think Dustin McGowan is going to have a chance to impact this club at the beginning of the year. I think as we go on in the year, I think we're going to see more of the kids, uh, those on the roster. I mean, Kevin mentioned it at, at, in, in his interview with you guys, the three guys who threw 100 miles an hour next to each other in bullpens, I'm watching Ryan Stanek, and I'm watching Diego Castillo and Ian Jabot, and just seeing the way those three guys throw and the way they go about their business. And he didn't mention even Jamie Schultz, who's who's coming back off injury, and, and he mentioned Jose Alvarado. I mean, that's a quintet where AAA and big league all can throw 97 to 100 miles an hour. The Rays haven't had that. Does Johnny Venders make this club? I don't know if he makes it out of spring training, but I wouldn't be shocked if he helped at some point. And I, you know, I'm rooting for him. I think it's hard not to root for him. Um, having interviewed him several times over the last few years, he's not only he's he's not only a terrific talent, but um, uh, he's a terrific person. And I think everyone's rooting for him to get to the big leagues at some point. Well, Neil, you're going to take the reins of countdown to opening day starting next Saturday, a week from two days from now. Uh, when we'll be on the network, but uh, you'll be with us as well, of course, for the Internet broadcast uh, next Friday. So much to talk about with baseball. It's uh, it, This is just a tease. You and I get a chance to chat just for a second. Dave will be with us as well, and it's that time of year. Look forward to next week. Indeed. This has been Countdown to Opening Day. It's a presentation of the Rays Radio Network. The executive producer of the Rays Radio Network is... Larry McCabe. Tonight's show is produced by Chris Miller, studio engineer John Mamola, production assistants Matt Infield and Michael Stern. Thanks as well to the commissioner of baseball, that of, of course, Rob Manfred, and the manager of the Tampa Bay Rays, that is Kevin Cash, and of course, Wade Boggs, who just joined Neil just a little while ago. For Dave Wills and for Neil Solons, I'm Andy Freed. It is time for baseball, folks, and we've been counting down to opening day on 620 WDAE. Thank you for listening to Countdown to Opening Day. Line drive, caught by a leaping edge of Saves the day, out number two. If you missed any of the show, download it at RaysBaseball.com slash podcasts. So the 3-2 pitch on its way to Jose Batista. Swing and a miss. He struck him out, and Batista is put away by Archer. For tickets or for more information on the Rays, visit RaysBaseball.com. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. It's a shutout to end 2017. The Rays win it by the final score of 6 to nothing and bring on 2018.